afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i'm joined by the incomparable callum williams first of all a lot has happened in the world since we did our 100th episode which feels like it was three weeks ago and uh that felt like it had been eight years since the last episode before that um but in any case i don't really feel like two pasty white guys are the right people to have a whole discussion about this right now and we're working uh, on many ways as a club to address this across many different mediums. But just right now, I wanted to state for myself that Black Lives Matter and the murder of George Floyd was an unconscionable act and an abuse of power. I think the conception of the police in this country needs to be entirely rethought, and that no idea should be off the table in that conversation. And I think that beyond that, white people need to do the work of not just being not racist, but of being anti-racist and actively working to dismantle white privilege and the power structures uh, in this country. Uh, those are just, I think that's baseline stuff right there. Uh, Cal, was there anything that, that you wanted to, to add to that? Um, just what I would say is that actions speak louder than words. It's, it's all good saying things on social media. We've, we've all done that. But um, if you can, I would just say physically lend your support in any way you can. Um, what I will say, Steve, is from a personal experience, I went to a protest in, in Minneapolis downtown, um, what, two weeks ago now, and it was some of the most um, powerful stuff I've ever seen in my life. And um, I wish I would have caught the, the lady's name who was leading the protest, but I remember when we were all kneeling down and what she was saying was, was just so poignant and uh, it, it really, really hit. So we just have to be better. As you said, <laughs> we're two privileged white guys. We don't need to go deep into this conversation, but... All I will say is that um, we, we need to change. Things need to change. Absolutely. Uh, another note uh, before we get into the meat of the podcast here, uh, I want to let you know that Allianz Life and Minnesota United have partnered with Keystone Community Services, a local nonprofit benefiting the Midway area around Allianz Field to help support our neighbors during this time of need. Allianz Life will be matching donations up to $50,000. To learn more about how you can donate, go to mnufc.com slash keystone. That's mnufc.com slash keystone. Okay, Cal, I have a question for you. Um, my, my brother, uh, Sean McPherson, hosts, uh, he, he's part of a company called Trivia Mafia that he started, and he's been hosting online trivia, uh, which I participated in a bit, and it's a lot of fun. He also likes to throw out icebreaker questions, which is kind of one of his specialties, just questions that and they're sort of the things that i always ask you but sort of inspired by him <clears throat> here's my question for you right now if you could prevent the spread of covid19 by never getting a haircut again would you do it and here's the catch you can't tell anyone that's that's why you haven't cut your hair if you tell anyone why it's back but it would you agree to never cut your hair again to stop it yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely would, yeah. So even the missus, like she's like, you're at that at some point, your hair is to your ankles, and you're just you can't even go out in public, and your wife is begging you to cut your hair, and you just can't tell her why. Well, you can surely you can 
there's got to be ways of doing something to to you know put it up and and I guess tie it up maybe I don't know I mean I, I've seen um, lots of uh, lots of different ways of uh, dealing with really really long hair. Um, the Brett the Breck Shea route you just do the, <laughs> just go for a proof. That's not quite that bad, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, there's got there must be ways to to get around it for sure there would be but look no if if it stops the spread of COVID nineteen and and so are we saying COVID nineteen disintegrates completely or is it still there no it's gone okay then then I would do it no problem <laughs> I appreciate you taking one for the team that is, that is humankind <laughs> the human race yeah <laughs> yeah um I think that I would I would be fine with it I do think it would be tough to manage that amount of hair but you know if that's all it takes then then I would do it as well all right let's. Let's move on to the MLS is back tournament because MLS is back. It's sort of one of these tricky things where, you know, MLS, we're not supposed to say the MLS, but it's, it's the MLS is back tournament. It's uh, the, the, the refers to the whole thing, not MLS. So I think we're okay there. Let's talk about uh, in this tournament, let's talk about this tournament just sort of broadly to begin with. Uh, you know, it's been rumors have been flying around for a while. It's, it's been formally uh, set up. There's been a, a group draw, which is what we're going to spend most of our time on. Um, but just to go over a couple of things, the the results uh, from the group stage are going to count towards the regular season. Uh, so those wins and draws and ties will all count towards standings in the regular season. Uh, there's a Champions League berth on the line for the winner and uh, $1.1 million in prize money. Um, Cal, how do you feel uh, about the structure overall, sort of this idea of the sort of World Cup format and how this is going? Does it feel right to you? Is it, you know, how, how does the structure look? Well, I think we're past the stage of it feeling right, aren't we, Steve? I think right now it's just <laughs> simply the fact of the matter is that soccer's back and, and that's all we're excited about and happy about. So um, I, I suspect a lot of people um, need what would be viewed as a welcome distraction to... Um, this COVID crisis that we've been undergoing for some time now. MLS uh, and its tournament will hopefully provide that, uh, as well as the, the sprinkling of, of other football around the world. Um, I don't know, Steve, how how else they could have done it, to be honest. I know there were various rumours of, of um, you know, having tournaments uh, or, or even just some games in neutral venues, which, which may very well have worked. But the, the, the biggest question is, where would, if you were going to get all the teams in one area, uh, or, or maybe one region, it's difficult to um, to counteract the virus in terms of um, putting people in, in one area. You know, if you were to do the tournament in, in the Midwest, for example, you have to travel to different stadiums. Um, and even if you were to do it in one area, say, for example, Minnesota, and, uh, you know, you were to, say, play at the, the National Sports Centre, which we all know has, has a slew of fields which, which would be okay to host, but where do you where do you put people? Where do you put people where it's not putting the general public at risk? Right. The beauty of this Orlando tournament is that there are resorts, and there is one particular resort that will be able to, to house and host all of the teams and their staff in Major League Soccer, and maybe even various members of the media as well. So, um, uh, it, it, it's uh, very MLS in the sense that um, the the usual is unusual. I'll, I'll steal a line from an article I read in The Athletic this morning. Um, but um, I, I think the simple fact of the matter is, Steve, is that everybody is just happy that Major League Soccer is back. Um, and, and we're now able to say that with certainty for the first time for some time. 
Yeah, it's a little, um, I think that I read Andrew Wiebe, I think wrote a thing on MLSsoccer.com talking about how it's, his feeling is sort of, it's good to see, but he's not quite excited yet. I mean, there's sort of that little burst of like, okay, that stuff is happening. And certainly as employees of the club, I think that the move towards, we're going to be, I mean, just the, just looking through teams and thinking about how they match up was, was a nice different pace for my morning than my usual uh, work so far. And that's good, but it's still sort of like, it's, it's a, it's a month away essentially from starting. A lot of things can happen in a month as we know. Um, and so it's just sort of, you know, we don't know exactly where it's going to be as far as where the COVID is in relation to it and like what things are going to happen between now and then, but it is good to have something to kind of look forward to and focus on. Um, what is, as terms, did you, I assume you watched, got to watch the draw yesterday. Um, it was a little bit of a, um, a, a jury rigged affair, I believe, <laughs> sort of a carton of eggs with little eggs with stuff written on them by hand. It was, uh, it was kind of charming, actually. How did you feel about uh, the draw process overall, and particularly the news coming out that they were just going to put Inter-Miami and Orlando together, and there's going to be a group of six teams, which seems a little weird? The group of six teams is going to be very peculiar, isn't it? Um, and I'm still not entirely sure how that's really going to work. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have copious bits of information coming from Major League Soccer over the course of the next few weeks as we lead up to the tournament. Um, but I, uh, the draw itself, was no, no, I had no problem with it, to be honest, Steve, because it was essentially just how um, you know, big tournaments are, are done anyway. There's, there's a, you know, a, a bowl with, with balls in them, and inside those balls are, um, are, are team names. That, that's how the Champions League is done. It's how the World Cup is, is done for the most part. So... I had no problem with it. And I thought, you know, um, well done to Major League Soccer for putting on such a show as well. Um, in such precarious times, they, they, they managed and they did what they could. So I thought it was, it was good. Um, what was interesting, though, Steve, is I, I got exceedingly giddy when uh, it got to the stage where, you know, we, uh, as Minnesota United employees, um, we had seen just about every team come out but Minnesota United. And I thought to myself, Please put us in Group D. Please put us in Group D. Don't put us in Group F. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, <laughs> um, Lady Luck was on our side, and um, Minnesota ended up in in Group D. So um, I, I, I uh, enjoyed it immensely. Um, I, I got way too excited when uh, when I saw uh, Minnesota's name come up and and the fact that they would be in Group D. Um, and and I just thought to myself, it, it was just a. a a splendid microcosm of, of just what the world is right now. It's just, it, everything was so unknown. And, and that's exactly what we've been surrounded with over the course of, of the last sort of three or four months. Um, but for the first time in a long time, I did feel genuine excitement um, for, for something that um, was, you know, away from good news uh, with regards to, to COVID-19 or what have you. You know, there was... Um, there was an look. There's been an obvious yearning for for sport of any kind for for a long time now, um, but the fact that it was it was the sport and the league and the team that that you and I cover, um, I, I must admit I did have a little uh, little fist pump in into the the air when when I found out that Minnesota were in Group D and I, it was it was a thrill it really was and and the fact that 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 was a thrill and a joy 
suggests that the ball needs to be kicked fairly quickly because I'm going stir crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I did not anticipate, um, you know, sort of the nerves that were going to come with, with the group draw because I, it, yeah, when it came down to the end, you know, as they're sort of cycling through, it was either going to be D or F at that moment. And I really, and we already knew it was going to be LAFC and LA Galaxy. And, um, you know, despite Minnesota's success generally against LAFC uh, and sort of mixed bag against the Galaxy, um, they're just not, they're just teams you don't want to mess with, you know, like, and I, I think that we're going to get to talk a little bit more about what the, each of the groups sort of mean. Um, so we can sort of leave that conversation for that. Um, you know, it's sort of our, our job to, I mean, not predict things. We're not people out there in the, the sort of prognostication game or anything like that, but we'd like to talk about what's coming up. But as I looked through this stuff, honestly, I was reminded that, you know, this is a tournament, which is so different from league play and it's being done in a place and in a way that it's, it's never been done before. So in some ways it's like, what can you rely on? You're like, this team plays like this, but they play like that at their home, but they might play different on the road. And this is not even either of those things. They're not really in hostile territory either. It's sort of this weird, it's going to be a neutral territory with no fans. So there's a lot of things that are, that are sort of, weird about this but let's go through let's go through the groups and talk a little bit about you know who we think is maybe favored maybe a dark horse uh things like that let's start with group a which is that weird 16 six team group with orlando as the top seed which is also kind of weird i sort of find it odd that they're the host the nominal host despite the fact that they're not playing at their stadium or anything it's just that's closest to them so but the group is orlando inter miami nycfc philly Chicago and Nashville, um, who are in the Eastern Conference now. So, um, what's who do you like out of this group? And then maybe who's a who's a dark horse candidate? Maybe based on the sort of the structure of how group stages play out. So, I think New York City FC will be licking their chops. Um, I I really fancy them in this group, um, and it's so difficult to predict now, isn't it, Steve? Because let's not forget. Major League Soccer was only two games into the um, 2020 campaign. So we've not had a proper chance to have a real look and a deep dive into the analytical side of a lot of these teams yet. But, but when you look on the, uh, at the roster on paper, you would say New York City FC would, would fancy their chances here to, um, to go and win the group. Philadelphia Union would also um, fancy their chances of, of getting out of the group as well. Um, I don't know if enough has been said about Chicago Fire yet because they did undergo um, a, a really intriguing off-season makeover, um, not only just from a, a brand perspective, but uh, on the roster as well. And the centre-forward Berich, I think, could cause some damage in, in a tournament like this. The, the main thing coming into a tournament like this, Steve, is if you go into the tournament and you, uh, you know, most teams go into a tournament with an element of consistency um, or, or at the very least, um, they build consistency. Uh, I'm talking of a World Cup tournament, for example. When you look at a tournament like the World Cup, if the team is able to create consistency, they usually do quite well. If there's a team that, that for whatever reason, um, is struggling for form and doesn't find uh, a particular way to, to play that suits them, or indeed is, is effective against the opponent, then they kind of find it difficult. And, and sometimes they, they fail to, to get out of the group stage. So um, a lot of this will be about consistency, in my opinion. Um, I'm interested to see uh, how Inter-Miami do here, because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about individual players later on, but um, there'll be a lot resting on the likes of, of Pizarro for, for Inter-Miami. Um, 
and a lot resting on quite simply the, the designated players that have, have come to this league with with quite the reputation. So um, I'm interested to see. I I mean, look, we, we 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 only saw a snippet of Nashville, didn't we, in the opening two games? I thought they were impressive in Portland and against Atlanta, I, I suppose. But um, I, I don't know if it's fair for me to to say. I expect them to finish bottom simply because they're the expansion team. You could say that against Miami as well, couldn't you? But Miami have spent more money. So um, it's a tough one to predict, Steve. But I, I think in, in, in hindsight, I, I, I would suspect that New York City FC would be the ones that, that would really fancy themselves here. Orlando, I, you know, yes, it's in their backyard, but are they going to be as consistent as people want? It, it, it's perhaps more comfortable for them than anybody. And here's the interesting thing about this group as well, Steve. If you look in, at all of these teams and, and you count Gary Smith as a new manager, there are five new managers um, out of this, uh, out of this six, uh, group, uh, six team group, um, which I think is going to be interesting. Now, obviously, Oscar Pereja at Orlando has been in the league before and um, is you know, very well known and won't take any adaptation. But but then the counter argument to that is, well, he won't take any adaptation um, to a regular Major League Soccer, but just about everybody is going to go through that sort of period of, of adaptation for sure. So um, I suspect that, as I said earlier on, Steve, I think New York City FC would, would be the favourites in this group. In terms of a dark horse, I don't know if we view Philadelphia as a dark horse anymore, so, so my dark horse would probably be Chicago Fire. Okay. Yeah. It's the, the question of that sort of chemistry and history. And do you have, does the team know who they want to be? And then the circumstances of this, if you, if you were coming into a tournament like this and it was the middle of the season and you'd played, you know, six, 15 games or something like that. And the teams were sort of settled. That'd be one thing, but this is just such an unusual circumstance. Um, it seems to me you can sort of, it, it, it sort of a double-edged sword because some, my guess is that teams that are, new or you know your your expansion teams your teams that have undergone a lot of um transition in terms of personnel or coaches or whatever like that i would think that most of them will have a hard time getting on the same page and uh will not have success in the group stage i think that like one or two of them will be much more successful than we think um and so that's you know it's like for some team it will gel um i don't really buy that um, that being a home game, this sort of a, a Florida game is any advantage for Inter Miami. I mean, I think that I've seen that before that Orlando and Inter are the, you know, the, the Florida teams, but you know, the same thing came up when Minnesota United played the, the snow opener. It was like, Oh, well, they're used to the cold. I'm like, man, these guys have only been here like a month and a half. Like these guys are not used to the cold. So like, I don't necessarily think that the people who play for Inter Miami, if they are not adjusted to that weather are now adjusted. I mean, just based on not training. I mean, I'm sure they were training at home, but like, you know, they're, they've only been training as a team for a couple of days at this point. So uh, I don't know if I buy that that will help them. I sort of, I like Philly for the top because I think they, they have the best mix of previous success and then consistency. NYCFC, obviously talented team on paper. Um, but I do think that having a new coach and things like that is that that's sort of an impediment to that, that consistency. I wouldn't write them off, but I sort of like Philly at the top of this group, Chicago, same thing in terms of the turnover. I, I my dark horse is, is Orlando just because again, it's one of those things where if anybody can derive an advantage from the environment and playing in heat and humidity and stuff like that. It's going to be Orlando because they are, uh, they're not an expansion team. They have done this before. Um, I, you know, 
to the extent that any, I mean, I think a lot of home field advantage is psychological anyway. So if they feel they have a home field advantage, I could see them coming out, you know, leaving, getting out of the group um, at least maybe not winning the group. So that's, that's, uh, that's where I line up on, on group a let's go to, we're going to do Eastern conference first. So let's go to group C uh, Toronto FC, New England, Montreal and DC United. Who do you like out of this group and who do you see as a, as a, as a dark horse candidate to get out of the group stage? Straight away, I think the obvious contender for winning the group is Toronto FC because of the arsenal that they have behind them. Um, particularly from an attacking point of view as well, they have, um, they have players that have, they have big players that have experience in tournaments, whether it was successful or not, there's another debate for another day. But um, straight away, the, the mind uh, wanders and the eyes wander to Josie Altador and Michael Bradley. Um, although um, I'm not entirely sure how much Michael Bradley will play, having, having said that. But, um, you know, Altador is a, you know, a, a big player who is obviously um, very experienced. So I, I think Toronto are, in my opinion, the, the front runners for the top spot there. And Montreal seems to have, have developed quite a nice style under Thierry Henry. Um, the question I have for uh, Montreal is, do they have enough goals in them? No doubt a lot will rest on the shoulders of Boyan. Um, but I, I, no doubt they have goals from midfield. We saw Safia Tayadeh score a fabulous goal in the Champions League before the, the season got underway in March. Um, but I wonder if they have enough goals. But look, I, I, I think um, Iruti, if he gets service, will, will be okay. Um, I, I would place DC United at the bottom of this group at the moment just because I, I just there's nothing that really excites me about them. Yes, Kraus is a very good player, um, but I, I'm not entirely sure, you know, Ola Kamara, is he going to get enough service? I, I don't know. I, it's interesting because I had a completely different perspective of them heading into the season mm. um, with the three players behind Ola Kamara. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Whereas New England, having watched them in pre-season, I was fortunate enough to see them in Portland. Um, if they are going to advance, they are going to need something from the, the new partnership up front. Um, Adam Buxer, uh looked a handful. He, he looked assertive up front. And he also looked quite intelligent, particularly off the ball as well. And even more so when he had Gustavo Bo playing somewhat of a false nine underneath him as well. So um, that's a tough group, Steve. That's a really tough group. But, but I can see Toronto... Uh, and, and Montreal advancing from that one. Yeah, I lean towards Toronto for a lot of the reasons you give largely experience individually with the players in terms of this kind of format. And then Toronto generally has experience as a team with, with you know, tournament um, play and things like that. Um, I, I sort of also feel like Montreal is maybe the second team uh, here. Like maybe there's the two most likely to advance. Um, my dark horse is, is, is New England. Um, because of, you know, having seen how good, you know, Bo could look, uh, having seen it toward the second half of last season. And, um, and I think that I really lean heavily on, you know, notwithstanding, you know, the sort of U.S.'s last experience in terms of World Cup qualifying, but Bruce Arena as a coach and familiarity with, you know, what it takes to win tournaments and then, you know, what it takes to win generally. I think that you could see coaches making a big difference in terms of having their teams ready uh, and having their teams and then making the smart adjustments based on their circumstance. You know, you're going to have five subs as opposed to three subs and, you know, coaches who are, who grasp exactly what that 
changes about the dynamic quickly. And I think that a coach like Bruce Arena has the experience to um, hopefully ad adapt to those changes. I sort of see, again, I don't necessarily favor them, but I, I could see New England making a little run and doing well in the, in the group stage. Yeah, I don't uh, disagree with you, Steve. Before we go on, sorry, yeah. I just need to correct yeah. myself there. So Michael Bradley actually had surgery on, on his ankle, I believe, in January. So um, you yeah, would assume right. now that he'd be okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming he's gone back to training. I haven't looked, um, but you would assume he'd be able to go. So apologies. I wasn't sure what the situation was injury-wise with Michael Bradley. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what every everybody's fitness is like and, and everybody's <laughs> rehab is like at this point. All right, so let's close out the Eastern Conference groups with Group E, Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, uh, Red Bulls, and Columbus. Um, what's what's your feeling here for, you know, who's going to come out on top and then that, that dark horse candidate? Um, so, I mean, look, the, the obvious one for me here is Atlanta United. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I am also with. It, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't really take too much explaining, does it? Um, I know. Uh, look, Joseph Martinez um, has has got an injury, um, but I think uh, Rosetta will probably come in and, um, and and probably fill in the gap. I don't think he'll be as as effective as, as Martinez. But then again, in this tournament style um, uh, month that we're going to have ahead of us, what? what is effective, you know? Yeah. So, um, um, I, uh, I actually think for me in terms of individuals that could really uh, do well in this tournament is, uh, an individual that I've been impressed with, um, over the course of the last year or so is Ezekiel Barco. Um, now the reason I say this, Steve, is because I, I'm assuming the majority of the games will take place on the main field at the, the sports complex in uh, the ESPN Sports Complex in Florida. Now, I've had the, um, the fortune of, of calling a couple of preseason games there in the past. And, and if, if things are the same and the field hasn't been adjusted, if memory serves me correctly, the field was quite tight. Mm. So you would assume that a, a handful of inverted wingers would actually do quite well in this situation. So I think um, Ezekiel Barco is, is, is perhaps my player of the tournament to, to watch early on because um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he links up with, with, um, with the centre forward uh, Rosetto, uh, Rosetto, sorry, uh, uh, just to, to see what he, he can really do. Um, and, uh, you know, the question has to be asked, you know, how well suited to this will be Pitti Martinez as well. So, but I think essentially for me, if you look at the group, uh, group E, I think Atlanta United will have a lot of the ball. Um, and I can see them dominating um, on, on the counter as well. Um, the second team I would expect to, to move forward will probably be Columbus Crew. Um, mm -hmm. We only saw a, a little snippet of uh, Zella Rayan, the um, attacking midfielder DP that they brought in um, to play off of, uh, of uh, Jassy Zardes or Fernando Adi, depends how... how Taylor Porter wants to uh, wants to run it. Um, Cincinnati are just such an unknown quantity at the moment. There were so many changes. We, we don't even know if Yapstam is going to be in Florida to coach them. We have no idea. Yeah. Um, so that that's an interesting one to look out for. And the Red Bulls right now. This is actually the year when I said I'm not entirely convinced with the Red Bulls. I think had we have had a normal season, I would have been surprised if I think they would have been competing for the playoffs. But it wouldn't have surprised me if they didn't make the playoffs. So. 
Um, I, I'm really intrigued to see um, how they do it here. They, they've got some good young centre forwards in, in, in White and, and Barco. Um, they're not too dissimilar. Um, and and I, I'm not entirely convinced they have enough about them, the York Red Bulls, to, to advance into the next stage, which is so strange to say about the Red Bulls. But for so long, they've, they've sort of held themselves in such high esteem and, and quite rightly so as well. But um, they seem to be going through a different phase in, in, their, uh, in their existence at the moment. So I, I think, um, for me, Atlanta and Columbus will finish in the top two. Yeah, that's actually basically the exact same thing I had. Um, I, I feel like I liked Columbus a lot going into the season, um, and so I'm going to stick with that. I totally agree with you. <laughs> Cincinnati is really an unknown quantity. And you also have to, talk, you also have to think about what do these teams want to get out of this tournament? And it doesn't seem like FC Cincinnati is probably going in thinking like, we're going to make a deep run. Their, their priorities are probably a lot different. And so to them, you know, it's going to be about finding that identity and establishing like principles so that, you know, should there be more regular season after this, which is, we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's probably what they're looking towards. Not really so much the tournament. So um, let's move over to the Western conference uh, group. We'll start with group B uh, Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, Vancouver and San Jose. I'm going to go first and then you can think about it. We'll just switch it up here. So um, I think the, the easy pick here is Seattle Sounders, obviously uh, MLS champs. And um, you know, there's, there's FC Dallas has, has was good last season. We had still sort of an unknown quantity again this, this year it's, it's, it was early. Um, my, my dark horse here, which I could see, I mean, again, I, given the, the sort of the level between Dallas and Vancouver and San Jose, I don't necessarily think a lot uh, separates them on paper, looking at, you know, how they performed, you know, Vancouver was, was not good last year, but, you know, it showed some, you know, that did a lot of making over in the off season. I think San Jose, uh, because of Matias Almeida's preferred style could be one of those like surprise teams. Again, we saw that the Quakes um, started a little slow last season, came into their own and then, uh, it seemed seemed tired by the end of the season because playing that man marking style all, all over the field is is difficult. But they're going to be you know fresh. They might not be in shape right away, um, and so that'll be that'll play a factor into like early games. But they do play that style that teams ha- have a hard time dealing with. And in a short burst, I could see them being uh, real threatening in this group. I wonder, Steve, if because of the I mean what we're expecting the fitness levels to be right we're all expecting people to perhaps be a little bit rusty no no doubt there'll be one or two exhibitions played uh, before the tournament starts but um, I think all of us are expecting uh, players to be at around about 85 percent I can't imagine anybody would be at 100 percent after the, the break that we've had um, I wonder if we see a, a change in in approach from a lot of people and as I mentioned if, if the, the field is tight mm. um, I wonder if teams are a bit more direct and and if that's the case then um i suspect that fc dallas would do a little better than than people would um, would give them credit for here um the question is is um Andrasik, the, the center forward um what version of him what, what iteration of him do we get um is it the the one who does well in a direct situation where he holds the ball up and, and can play off people or is it the version that we've seen in the past that sort of disappears um I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you in terms of uh, I think the Sounders will, will be at the top of the group. I don't think there's any debate to be had there, in my opinion. Um, in terms of finishing second, though, I think it is a toss-up between Dallas and Vancouver. And I say Vancouver because, um, as I said earlier on, I was very fortunate to, to see them in pre-season and, and spent some time with the coaching staff. And, and their philosophy uh, was, was quite impressive, should it come off and work. 
I'm a big fan of Cavallini. I think had we've had a, a normal season, Cavallini would have been right up there in terms of um, goal scoring and, and the numbers that he has uh, would have gotten. Um, I uh, Inbonpong is is huge for them in, in how he drops in between the two centre backs and, and dictates. Um, but again, um, so, so that would, would suggest that they would be direct. Um, but again, it, it, it's just so difficult to, to predict, isn't it? Because we really don't know what sort of level these teams are going to be playing at. Um, the earthquakes, um, as you say, they have a certain style which um, it, it looks as though it, it it needs to be adapted now, in my opinion, because Minnesota tore it apart on match day two, um, and Toronto were unfortunate not to win there on opening day. Um, but um, they've had the time now; they've had you know three, four months to, to really assess and have a look. And, and now I know they've not perhaps had as much time on the training field as, as the other teams in MLS um, because of the restrictions in the area where they are. But um, I, I do wonder if they've had time, if Matias Almeida's really thought, right, I'm going to take a look at this and perhaps adjust um, the, the grand master plan that I had a little. Um, and they could surprise us all. So um, I'm not really giving you an answer here, am I? But I think... Um, <laughs> I think Seattle will finish top. And then for me, finishing second, it is a toss-up between Dallas and uh, Vancouver. But I, I, if you're pressing me for an answer, I, I would say Vancouver. Okay. Oh, that's, that's pretty bold. So um, I can buy it. I'm into it. Um, let's look at Group F. We're going to save Group D since that's, that's Minnesota's group. We'll save that for last. So Group F uh, is LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston, and Portland. Two LA teams in one group. Definitely, definitely not rigged at all, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I think um, it's the group that nobody wanted to be in. As soon as we saw those two teams um, drawn as, as one and two, I think uh, everybody said, right, well, Group F is one we've got to stay away from. Um, Houston Dynamo are going into this uh, as, as a relative unknown because, again, you know, new head coach and a couple of new additions. Um, and they kept hold of a couple of key players as well. Um, so I, I think... Um, it, it, for me, Group F is is the group of death because Portland Timbers, as well as, as we have seen over the last couple of years, are a very good team. And, and, and I know we saw them in Portland as well and, and perhaps didn't give the best account of themselves, but I still think they're a very good team. Um, so Group F is is the group of death, in my opinion. And, and I uh, maybe I'm being uh, as obvious as can be here, Steve, but I, I can't look past the two LA teams. I really can't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um... It's an interesting. It's interesting because obviously LAFC favored generally. I would predict them as the winner. Um, LA Galaxy is still kind of an unknown quantity. We you know we didn't see, you know, Chicharito didn't look like Chicharito yet. But you know, the, again, there's been time. We'll see what happens. They on paper they have obviously per usual good players. And then I think that um, both Houston and Portland in some ways have elements to them that, that could favor into this. One of all, one, the other thing I talked about Orlando being a team comfortable playing in this heat. Um, if any team is going to be comfortable playing in heat in front of no one, then Houston is going to be that team. So, you know, that's like that sort of play. They have a very weird, very strong home field advantage, despite not usually having a full stadium uh, in, in Houston when you, when, when teams go there. So they're used to that. So again, that could play into Houston, Portland. Normally I don't love away from Providence park because they have such a huge advantage because of Providence park. But again, it's not like they're going to somebody else's home field. They're going to a neutral field. 
and Portland style, which they, you know, they've talked a lot about trying to get away from, but I mean, if they sit back and then counter, which is the way that they generally play, that is an effective way to take the air out of a game in which there's no air in the game anyways, because there's no, you know, spectators in the, in the stands. So I think that that makes, that makes both those teams very dangerous. I, I sort of pick Houston as a dark horse here uh, as the darkest of horses, because I think that, you know, LAFC, LA Galaxy and Portland pretty easily could slide into those top three positions. And if Houston can move up, in any way, if they can finish second, that would be uh, a, a huge coup for them. So I could, I could certainly see Steve as well that that happening for sure. But I, I, I suspect the biggest question mark for Group F heading into this tournament is: Are the two main superstars that we're all expecting to be at the tournament going to play? And that is, of course, Carlos Vela of LAFC and Javier Hernandez of, of LA Galaxy. Yeah. Um, I have it on good authority that, that the latter, that Hernandez will play, but I'm not sure about Vela. And, and that we've seen in the past, that changes things a lot for LAFC. So, so those are the, the two big yeah. questions heading into it for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get to the main event for us as Minnesota United people. Group D, Real Salt Lake, Sporting Kansas City, Colorado, and Minnesota. I was excited to see this draw. Um, there is this interesting thing which came up, which is that after the first two games of the season, there were only three Western Conference teams that were undefeated, and they're all in this group, which is MNUFC, SKC, and Colorado. Although SKC and Colorado each won a game at home, which Minnesota didn't have. Um, I think if Group F is the, the group of, of death in terms of just sort of the best teams overall, this group is interesting because I think these are maybe the teams that are closest to each other in ability, like in, in across four teams, basically. Colorado, you know, finished last season well, but still sort of an unknown quantity at this point. Um, obviously, SKC did not do well last season, but you would rarely count out, you know, Peter Vermees. We all felt like, you know, in terms of getting Polito, there was, there was good, they, there were good moves made. And then we all saw Lake is, is one of those teams that, hangs around they don't they won't go down so um and that's that's sort of i think it was i can't remember who's i think i was reading the athletic they were saying this is sort of uh, the group of the team is the star right they're not necessarily like one person on the team like we were talking about bela and hernandez and like how important they are to their teams and whether they'll play that's not really the case with these four teams they're all very even i'm going to predict the winner Minnesota United. I know, big shocker, uh, but that's my belief is Minnesota United is going to come out on top of this group. Um, my dark horse is is Colorado. Again, sort of an unknown quantity team, but that showed a lot of heart last year down the stretch. Um, if they if they put it together and if that that stretch of good play at the end of last season sort of showed them coming together, then I could I think they could pull off some some good stuff against team a team like SKC who who did a lot of work over the offseason but haven't played a lot yet with that new look. So there are um, sort of eerie similarities with all four of these teams, aren't there, really? And, and, and it's obviously, well, I don't know, do, do we count the, the Rocky Mountains as the Midwest? But I, I saw someone suggesting the other day it's sort of a Midwestern mashup, isn't it? Which, um, uh, yes, I, I can buy for sure. But um, I think um, uh, for, for me, I, I, so I, I remember putting out on social media that I thought it, it couldn't have worked out much better for Minnesota United. I didn't say it couldn't have worked out any better for Minnesota United yeah. because no doubt they could have been a much easier draw. But but as we said earlier on at the start of the podcast, I um, when, when it was clear that Minnesota were one of the last two teams to be drawn, I think just about everybody said, not Group F, we want to go in Group D. Um, Minnesota should consider themselves... To, to be favourites to, to, to spearhead this group. But at the same time, Sporting Kansas City will say that about themselves as well. 
Now, Sporting Kansas City were um, awfully disappointing last season, but we're all aware of this. And for years and years and years, uh, I, I know I have bored listeners senselessly on this podcast by saying they need a centre-forwards. Mm-hmm. They went out and got that in the off-season, and it wasn't just any centre-forward as well. They got the leading goalscorer of Liga MX in Mexico. So Alan Polito, who will get service from the likes of Johnny Russell, and I'm assuming that Daniel Shallowy gets himself together, he will get service with Polito. So Kansas City will, would consider themselves strong favourites as well, so I can see the counter-argument there. The Rapids, as you mentioned at the moment, are quite an intriguing prospect because under new stewardship in Robin Frazier, who is a coach, in my opinion, who should have had a head coaching job in MLS a long, long time ago, has now um, finally been given his chance. This is after, of course, he was head coach at Chivas USA many, many moons ago. Um, I, I think since he was assistant at, at Toronto, he, he should have had a, a job, a head coaching job in this league um, several years ago. Um, I, I'm interested to see what they do because I would assume, again, there would be a, a 4-2-3-1. Um, you would, again, assume that Kamara would, would be at the tip and the players behind him would play off of him. Yunus Namli is, um, is an intriguing prospect because we've only seen a, a little bit of him so far. This is the, the, the Danish designated player, for those unaware, who's come in uh, mm-hmm. on loan from, from um, uh, Krasnodar, I believe, in, in Russia. Um, so I, I think with, with him, and I'm assuming it'll be Jonathan Lewis on the left-hand side, maybe uh, Nicholas Benazay on the right, the former Toronto player, um, would, uh, would start a handful of games, if, if not Sammy Nicholson, uh, a lad we're all familiar with. Um, and, and then you can't count out Shinyashiki either. But um, my point is here, Steve, is that, is that the Rapids are perhaps a lot deeper than people um, perhaps thought. And that's maybe because a lot of people remember Colorado Rapids from last season as opposed to, to the one that's um, available now. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And, and as I've said to you before, Rail Salt Lake, for me, I, I think they're completely different. Um, you know, no, no Savarino anymore. Obviously, he's departed from Brazil. Um, I still think trying to figure out their identity, I, I think the break has probably caused them a few issues um, because they still haven't really yet to, to figure out um, who they are, in my opinion. So, um, big fan of, of Freddy Juarez, and, 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 and in my opinion, he deserves the, the gig there. Um, but I, I don't suspect much threat from them in, in this format, in this tournament. And I'm happy to be wrong, but, but given the other three teams in this group, I can't see Rail Salt Lake causing too many problems. So are you calling Minnesota United at the top, top of the group then? I'll call Minnesota United at the top of the group, closely followed by Kansas City. Okay, sounds good. Um, all right, so let's uh, a couple other things that I've, I've sort of thought about as, 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 as we've gone forward with this. Um, I think I think that's going to be interesting in this is tournament um, is to look at uh, sort of the home and away results, um, you know, because – you know, obviously home and away won't mean the same thing. And I think Adrian Heath brought this up um, in, a, in a media call about the Bundesliga and how their home and away results have been much more level uh, between the two of them without fans. Um, and I think that obviously home and away isn't going to mean a whole lot right now, but it will give us some information uh, to look at the question of, you know, fans versus travel and then whatever happens um, in the rest of the season. I mean, you know, as far as what happens in the regular season, should that begin again? You know, we've heard ideas about how, you know, schedules and playing in venues uh, without fans and things like that. Um, that'll give us more information on like, you know, I think one of the questions about that, 
MLS and the question of the big home field advantage for a lot of teams is, uh, is it the supporters uh, who, who bring that for teams at home? Is it, is it the travel? Because the U.S. is so much bigger than a lot of other countries uh, that have, you know, with their, with their top soccer, soccer leagues. So it's just it's some more interesting information that we're going to get to see and, like, what, you know, what that, stuff, what that stuff means. I think we'll start seeing that in this tournament. So here's an interesting theory I have, Steve, and, I, and I'm um, perfectly happy to be wrong here, but um, I suspect this tournament will be, whilst it's great to have football back, it's great to have MLS back and players will want to get back and compete, no doubts. I get the feeling this tournament may be viewed as a hindrance for, for a couple of teams who have to travel all the way to Orlando um, and then obviously will be quarantined and, and what have you and all the things that go with it. I wonder, now we know the group stage counts to the regular season. That'll be taken very seriously indeed. But I wonder, are there a handful of teams who simply aren't too bothered about the prize money and a place in the CONCACAF Champions League in 2021? I wonder, do we have a couple of teams, if they advance, just say, we're okay. We've gotten what we needed out of this tournament. Our players are now sharp. They feel ready to go. And actually, if we exit the tournament early, we can now go back to our market and we can undergo another mini training camp yeah. um, under our own roof and our own rules um, and our own comforts. Um, so I, I wonder if we're going to see that. You know, It wouldn't surprise me if there will be a couple of teams who would field um, lighter starting 11s in the knockout round if, if they didn't fancy uh, going ahead. Having said that, we all know that, that Major League Soccer is tremendously competitive. Everybody wants to do well. These are all professionals who are very prideful individuals, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but um, I, I wouldn't surprise me if we saw that. And, and it's interesting because at the opposite end of the scale, when we were talking about Group A earlier on, I mentioned that I thought New York City FC would, would be the, the front runners for it, and maybe Chicago slash Philadelphia to, to be the, the somewhat dark horses. The one that I didn't really mention too much about was into Miami, because I wonder, I wonder how much emphasis they'll put into this tournament. Um, and I say that from a positive point of view, because I think they're going to put more than most. I was listening to an interview with Paul McDonough, the, the GM, um, the technical director, whatever the term is nowadays, um, of into Miami, and he said something that, that completely makes sense for where their market is for the type of fans they expect to have at home games and for the type of players they're trying to attract. Getting into the CONCACAF Champions League is an absolute must for them as quickly as possible. Sure. Yeah. So are we now of the opinion that Inter Miami may very well put just about everything behind this tournament to try and get to the Champions League? Because let's face it, this is probably, it's certainly the fastest. I'm not sure it's the easiest route to the Champions League, but it's certainly the fastest and the quickest. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Inter Miami take that on board and say, right, we should really put everything into this. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's an interesting question. I think hopefully we don't see any teams just lying down on the pitch after <laughs> in the knockout. I hope round. not. Yeah, I hope <laughs> not. But it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like, not just metaphorically, but literally just like goalkeepers just lying on the goal line. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, there's, there's more than one way to, you know, obviously all the players who go out there are going to play as hard as they can. But there's, you know, we've seen it before in the Open Cup. It's like rarely do teams trot out their, their first, their top starting 11 that first round as you get into to, um, the Open Cup. And it's sort of like it's a chance to play some of those other guys. And if they do well, you know, and it sort of starts rolling, then maybe you take it more seriously. But this, the idea that you would sort of try to do well to get your, your regular season results, but then maybe not try as hard in the knockout round is, is an interesting theory. Um, as far as what comes after this, 
you know, what, what's next? I know MLS hasn't really talked about it at all so far. Um, but what do you, what do you think, what do you see going forward for a regular season? And, you know, what do you, how do you think that this tournament is going to affect that scheduling? This is one thing that I heard talked about that in terms of your draw, you know, are you going to, are these teams that you play in the tournament, are they the ones you're not going to then see down the stretch of the regular season in order to like sort of even things out? So that means not having to go to SKC uh, for Minnesota United and not having to play at Elevation at Real Salt Lake or Colorado Rapids. Uh, so, you know, like w- w- what's your take on that? Well, that's an interesting point. Um, and, and what I will say before I go into this is that obviously you and I, we don't know anything right now. That There's, there's speculation uh, as far as the eye can see at the moment. And, and right. we, we, I mean, I think we'd all like some answers, really, wouldn't we? But there's a lot of people working very hard to, first of all, get the Orlando tournament underway. And then, you know, let's cross that bridge and we come to it in terms of afterwards, perhaps. But um, the, the one thing, Steve, I just hope is that we, we have home games at Allianz Field um, with, with fans of some sort in an ideal world. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I can't see a situation where we have a home game with full capacity at all this year. Yeah. Um, I would hope at some stage, if it's safe to do so, maybe we have 25% capacity, maybe we have 50% capacity, and people have to social distance, maybe. Um, and that's me just wildly speculating there, but I, I'm, I'm just hopeful that we can do that. Um, I, I don't know how the rest of the season is going to look, Steve. Um, I don't know then if, if perhaps we see what was spoken about before in terms of having the regional um, teams just be together and, and, and play, you know, um, whether it's in Kansas City and then Minnesota and Colorado or what have you, you know. Um, I'd be surprised if Minnesota came up against an Eastern Conference team this year. That yeah. would surprise me. Um, but again, I don't know. I know there was something spoken um, about whether it, I think it was, it's going to be nine home games and nine away games. Um, I think I've heard that, yeah. But we don't know what those nine away games look like. We don't even know what the nine home games look like at the moment. But um, you would assume there would be an Allianz field for Minnesota. But um, the away games, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they centralized and, and regionalized teams. That, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So we, we may very well be seeing a lot of Kansas City and Rail Salt Lake and whatnot in the, in the near future again. But um, I, I don't know, Steve. I, I just don't know. It, it's such an unusual time and, and situation to be in. Um, that, that really, that there are no rules, are there? You know, that yeah. the league are making this up as they're going along and they're doing a very good job of, um, of, of getting um, football back, as, as simple as it sounds. But um, I'm intrigued. I don't know. Uh, what I would encourage people to be is just be open-minded because right now there's a lot of people just thinking on their feet, trying to get some sort of a season back. Um, and what I will say is, look, we, we all, in, an, in an, a perfect world, an ideal world, we would have 100% capacity in Allianz Field at some stage this season. Um, I don't think that'll happen. I hope I'm wrong. But right now, let's just um, be grateful that we have Major League Soccer back because, let's face it, I mean, we're recording this on, on June 12th on, on the, the Friday. Um, at some stage last week, we weren't even convinced we were going to have a season because of the potential lockout threats as well. So sure. um, let's just be glad that we have a season of some sort um, and, and let's hope that, that COVID-19 doesn't interfere once again. Yeah. All right. Last thing I wanted to touch on here, which I I hadn't really considered this until just as I was prepping for the podcast, but do you think there's anything about this kind of World Cup style format that is something that could carry over into future seasons in some way? Is there, are they thinking about this as a test case in some ways, not for, you know, like, let's, let's say best case scenario, COVID-19 is, is we have a vaccine and we're, it's not the same kind of threat it was. 
like what lessons do you think the league is going to be looking to take from this and to say like could we do another tournament somehow like this uh in the future like what what do you think about that yeah i mean it's a it's a valid point steve because i know obviously the league had launched the league's cup hadn't they which minnesota united had, had qualified for this season um and that was in uh in aid of strengthening the relationship between major league soccer and Liga mx to my knowledge um there was talk at one stage um, of, of uh, a post-season tournament happening of some sort between mm-hmm. uh, American, Canadian, and Mexican teams. Um, I, I think um, it's very possible, Steve. It's very possible that they, the league could be prepping here for, for another tournament of some sort. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's an interesting theory, actually. Um, but I, I think right now, to my knowledge... Everybody, uh, whether it's MLS or, or US soccer or what have you, and, and people at Liga MX and the Football Federation in Mexico, are all trying to strengthen their relationship. And not to say it was soured, but it wasn't particularly strong. Everybody's trying to, uh, and we should put the Canadian Football Federation in this conversation as well, um, everyone's trying to strengthen their relationship because we all know in 2026, we have the biggest sports event in the world coming to, to our shores, which is the World Cup. Um, and if there's any sort of way to strengthen relationships for that tournament by doing other little tournaments on the club level, then I think all federations would be for it. Um, and I'm intrigued to see, I mean, is it out of the question that we have another tournament of some sort that is, you know, maybe away from, I, I can't ever imagine the league going away from CONCACAF but is there another tournament alongside it of some sort? You know, um, uh, maybe they they amp up the league's cup of some some sort. Uh, maybe they 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 differ the league's cup and, and it becomes a group stage of some sort. I don't know. But um, simple fact of the matter is is that there are possibilities for a lot more football, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that uh, one thing, and I know the NBA has has floated this out there as a, as a possibility, but is to have. Um, a kind of wild card tournament, essentially, at the for the sort of the bottom, you know, like the bottom part of the playoffs, which might have, have an impact as far as how the draft happens and things like that. There's a bunch of stuff they're talking about, but you know, if we're looking at um, as the as the league expands, you know, we've sort of we kept bumping down more teams into the playoffs, um, and some people have felt like that has sort of diluted the quality of the playoffs. You know, what if there's some kind of situation where instead of taking the top seven from each conference? You're taking, you know, the top five for sure with a buy for the first, you know, team. And then you have a, a tournament of eight teams or something who are sort of in that little zone between sort of six, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine. And then you sort of see, you sort of have a tournament there, maybe starting with a knockout stage or something like that to sort of determine who goes in at that, that bottom playoff seed, like as, as a way to sort of close out the regular season. And then, you know, the regular season will mean something, but it gives you a little something going into the playoffs because that could be kind of fun. So. It could be. It could be. Hey, look, as I said, mate, I'm all for more football. That's never a problem uh, in my world. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly all for it. And, and as I said, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was another tournament um, that is brand new. Um, you know, look, uh, <laughs> uh, sponsors and television contracts always mean dollar signs, don't they? So um, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the 101st Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Steve Entris. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner and remember... 
There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. 